0: Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. Good sleep is certainly essential to a child's health and well-being, but not all kids are getting the recommended amount of sleep that their bodies need for healthy growth. My guest today is Dr. James Kemp. He's a Washington University pediatric pulmonologist and the medical director of the St. Louis Children's Hospital Sleep Center. Dr. Kemp Let's start with some of the long- and short-term effects of lack of sleep, especially in the pediatric population.
1: In little kids, the kids before they begin school, some of the short- and intermediate-term um, complications are, are that they don't gain weight well. The most important, I think, complication of poor sleep or sleep apnea in kids is behavioral disturbances that include, and particularly in school-age kids, not being able to pay attention while in school, One thing that's characteristic of kids who don't sleep well, unlike older people who don't sleep well, is that older people who don't sleep well will seem sleepy during the day. And very often kids who don't sleep well, when they get to be earlier school age, they sort of behave in a hyperactive way. They sort of are over-revved up, so to speak. So I think that the major and most important um, complication that long-term in kids is that their ability to sort of be quiet in school and pay attention in school and be pleasant to interact with can be compromised by sleep problems.
0: Well, certainly can, and we're going to get into some more of those in a little bit, but what conditions do you see most often, and what do you feel are the most common causes of these sleep issues that you see?
1: Uh, certainly, the, in, in terms of number, the the most common thing we see is Little kids who snore, um, and most of the time when kids who are before they're 8 or 9 or 10, when they snore, they have big tonsils or big adenoids. Um, After age 10 or so, they're snoring and struggling to breathe at nighttime is um, indicative of obstructive sleep apnea, and more often than it's due to being overweight. So that's the most common problem we see. Also, being in a uh, referral hospital, we see a lot of children that have... um, Abnormalities of their face or nose and mouth, such as you know, kids with Down syndrome, for example, who have relatively small mouths and small noses. They tend to have obstructive sleep apnea. Probably the the third most common group of kids we see are, are kids who have insomnia, either problems going to sleep or problems staying asleep, that affects their um, attentiveness and their behavior the next day.
0: At what point, Dr. Kemp, do you think a parent should be concerned or a pediatrician should refer a child? for a sleep study and to see a specialist?
1: I think, again, the most common reason would be a kid who has really dramatic snoring and really struggles to breathe or gasps at nighttime, and, and particularly a little kid who, in a preschooler who's not growing well, and in a school-age um, a child who, who has a snoring and gasping and seems to have trouble, you know, with being overactive during the day and, and having trouble paying attention in school. They absolutely should be referred, I think.
0: So tell us what's involved once you get a child into your sleep center and, and and maybe you want to do a sleep study on them. We've heard about those with adults. How do children do in a sleep study and what's involved?
1: Two things. First of all, if a practicing pediatrician wants to order a sleep study at our hospital, it's not necessary for them to see a sleep physician beforehand. Obviously, if there's complications like heart disease or they have you know, um, Down syndrome or something like that, then, then we would prefer to see them in our clinic, but, but practicing pediatricians, practicing otolaryngologists, neurologists can send kids to our sleep lab um, for, for a study. What it involves is uh, the child coming in about 7 p.m. in the evening with a parent or care, adult caregiver and um, being prepared for the sleep study, which involves um, having EEG leads placed on the head, um, devices to measure flow into and out of the nose and mouth, um, attached to the face, um, um, things around the 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 chest and around the abdomen to, to chart movement of the respiratory system. We also measure o- pulse oximetry. Now, the surprising thing about this, I think, it, it always surprises me, is you have kids who, for example, that their parents say he'll never do this. He's hyperactive and they come into the lab, they sort of get fascinated about, by what's going on, and they understand that the purpose of them being there is to go to sleep, and they, they do remarkably well. I mean, I think that sometimes we don't get usable information in kids, for the most part, um, well over 90% of the time we get information that's, that's highly usable. Um, the, the Children's Hospital website has a, um, I can't give you the exact instructions, but there's a, a nice video on, a, I think, a 5-year-old girl coming in for, for a sleep study that, that goes through and. Very specific detail about what happens in terms of what the rooms look like and what sort of things will be, you know, put on them. It's not a, it's not a, a process that hurts, frankly. And, and another obviously important thing is that uh, mother or father or other caregiver can stay with the child, needs to stay with the child. They're there from seven p.m. till about six thirty in the morning.
0: That's so interesting when you say that the children really don't have a problem with it. I think parents probably have a bigger problem worrying about. How the children will react well, I, to that,
1: I think our technicians are really good now they They would probably say i 'm you know i 'm underestimating um, how challenging some of these patients could be, but they are really quite remarkable in their ability to sort of uh, reassure the parents about what 's happening, um, reassure the child about what 's going to happen, reassuring them that it 's not going to hurt. And um, kids almost always do better than the parents would have expected that they would do. It's, it's, it's very that's very interesting, and people have actually written about that. That kids with you know, lots of hyperactivity and so forth, that when they come to the sleep laboratory, they tend to do okay, which is you know reassuring, I guess.
0: Then tell us about the expansion.
1: How many more rooms,
0: workspaces? How does the expansion benefit patients and patient care?
1: The obvious one is that we get people into the sleep laboratory sooner. We we do upwards of 1,400 studies a year. And uh, we're open seven days a week. Um, we, uh, when I started here 12 years ago, there was two beds. We're up to 10 beds, and it just reduces our our wait time for getting in the laboratory. Right now, it's between two and three weeks, which we think is maybe optimal because it gives parents a time to sort of get reorganized a little bit. You know, we're not going to say come in tonight or tomorrow night, but you have you know a couple weeks to get. Um, reorganized with, without having to uh, wait, you know, weeks and weeks. And so, three weeks is about where we are. Two to three weeks. We also have the capacity with portable equipment to do studies on the floors and in, and in, 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 in Children's hospitals. So we can do more than ten a night if there's a demand for um, studies on inpatients here at Children's. And so, it's, and I think that the primary benefit is that any any child who needs to have a sleep study before further action is taken or any child for whom there's a concern about how good their sleep is, we can just get them in much more quickly. We we think three weeks sounds about right. Now, some people might say that's too long. Um, I don't think it's probably too long in terms of getting people to uh, being able to organize their life so they can come to the sleep laboratory. So it's, it's dramatically cut down our wait time from six or seven weeks to about three weeks. So how does a pediatrician
0: refer to your sleep center, and what can they expect from your team as far as receiving updates and your team approach?
1: Let's say it's a three-year-old that snores a lot, and the the pediatrician really wonders how bad the kid's sleep apnea is. They can write, uh, it's called a referral, but it really functions as an order for a sleep study to the Children's Hospital Sleep Laboratory. So they can go to the Epic um, Electronic Health Record, or they can call the Sleep Laboratory, which is 314-454-4503. And if they happen to call, they'll be faxed in order that they can send back to our, our sleep lab, indicating why they want to do a sleep study. If I mean, I review these um, before every test is done. If it looks like from the reason for the test that the child needs to be sleep, seen by a sleep physician, and we have three board-certified sleep physicians, and we're adding a couple more this summer, we will um, add them. We'll have them come to our clinic first before we schedule a sleep study. So, the majority of kids that are involved in the sleep center do not see a sleep physician. Um, a straightforward, you know, three or four-year-old that has snoring and big tonsils will sit, will usually get a sleep study and will go to see an otolaryngologist if they have obstructive sleep apnea. Children with, you know, more complex issues, kids that have, say, cleft palate and obstructive sleep apnea, will usually be seen in our clinic so we can tailor the testing and the intervention to uh, what what the child's needs are. So, so the majority of tests are done without the child being first seen. Um, by a, a sleep physician. Now we have a very active group of otolaryngologists at Children's Hospital, and they're responsible for a large um, percentage of our referrals to the sleep laboratory. And so um, those those patients have virtually all the time they've seen an otolaryngologist before a sleep test is done.
0: As we wrap up, what else would a referring physician want to know about the sleep center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, and even counseling their patients, and I'm talking even teenage patients, Dr. Kemp who are on their electronics, and, and it is so difficult to get them to sleep, and they have a different sleep cycle anyway. What do you want pediatricians to know about the importance of counseling their patients on that good sleep?
1: It's very, very important, and I think that most pediatricians, including my kids' pediatricians in the past, will tell you that there's so many things they have to cover It's hard to figure out how to approach this. I think that for a school age child asking whether there's any evidence either in the kids mind or in the parents mind that being sleepy impairs their ability to do schoolwork. If there is, then I think that more detailed, you know, interviewing needs to be done by the pediatrician or they, they need to go to a um a, a sleep the physician, I think that as kids get older and they take responsibility for their own behavior, if they're successful, even if they're looking at their phone in the middle of the night, I don't think we should try to do anything about it. But if, it, any, if you get any sense that they're they're falling asleep while driving or they're doing badly in school because of their sleepiness, they absolutely should see a sleep doctor. We also have really good psychologists at a children's hospital who see our children that have problematic insomnia or have gotten into habits that don't allow them to sleep at nighttime. Uh, Suzanne Thompson and Casey Davis are also available for referral. And they, one can refer, a, a practicing pediatrician can refer to those psychologists here at Children's um, without having them go through the sleep center. They, they're, they're sort of part of the sleep center, but um, they're not, you know, they're PhD psychologists who see kids with insomnia. A, a direct referral to them um, is, is welcome by them, and they're very, very good at kids that have, with kids that have insomnia.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Kemp. Great information about the Pediatric Sleep Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital. That wraps up this episode of Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. To consult with a specialist or to learn more about services at the sleep center, please call Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. Or head on over to our website at stlouischildrens.org for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. If you as a provider found this podcast informative, please share with other providers, share on your social media, and be sure to check out all the other interesting podcasts in our library. I'm Melanie Cole.